Blog Talk Radio. The Four Persons, Inc. is a federally registered and licensed 501c3 charity. Any use of any of our content without our permission is prohibited by law. Our purpose is evangelization, education, and social action. Please go to our website at thefourpersons.com or our blog site at thefourpersons.net to make your tax-deductible donation by credit or debit card. You can also send a check to The Four Persons, Inc., P.O. Box 11214, Manassas, Virginia, 20113. To contact us, send us an email at email at thefourpersons.com. Welcome to the Saturday Burnt Toast and Coffee Show with apologist William Hemsworth on the Four Persons Network. William is passionate about teaching the faith. He is a convert that attended a Baptist seminary. He is a father and a catechist that will encourage you to live the faith, evangelize, and defend it. To call into the show, the number is 515-602-9655. Once again, the phone number to call into the show is 515-602-9655. All right, good afternoon. My name is William Hemsworth, and welcome to the Burnt Toast and Coffee Show here on the Four Persons Network. Hope everyone is doing well out there, and wow, it is a blessing to be here with you on a Saturday morning, and I realize where you may be listening, and maybe it's Saturday afternoon. So here in Arizona, we don't observe daylight savings time. So just so you know how my morning has been, all morning, I'm asking what time it is on the East Coast, because for the, for the last few months, I've gone live at 9 a.m., except now, because of daylight savings time, I have to go live at 10 a.m., So even though the time doesn't change in Arizona, we still have to adjust to the time changes everywhere else. So it gets kind of weird. But my friends, today we are going to conclude our study on the Didache. And specifically, I want to to focus on what the Didache says about baptism and the Eucharist. And of course, I'll spread some other stuff in there, here and there. Um, So chapter seven of the Didache is where the Didache tells us about baptism. Now, we're getting into the uh, church manual area. This is kind of where um, the Didache is telling uh, priests, bishops, deacons, how to do things, how to perform, how to administer the sacraments. Okay, so we've gone, we've gone through the way of life, the way of death. Now we're getting into the church uh, discipline, the church um, administration area of the Didache. And for those, I had a question earlier in the week, and um, the question was, was the Didache ever considered scripture? Well, in some places it was. And actually, our Ethiopian Orthodox friends, um, the Didache is considered canon in their Bibles. But, uh, of course, it's not canon in, our, in the Catholic Bible, um, just because universally it wasn't accepted as canon. It was accepted as more like a catechism, as a way of uh, doing things a way of um, 
catechizing folks. All right, so let's go ahead. Let's get into chapter seven of the Didache where it talks about baptism. And it's very short. It's only seven verses. All right, so verse one says, but concerning baptism, this is how you shall baptize. Then it goes on to say, having first recited all these things, baptize in living water in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is very important here. Remember, the Didache is written right around well, between 70 and 90 AD. Oh, yeah, there's really good evidence saying as, as to why maybe AD 70. But either way, 70 and 90 AD, St. John is still alive during those times, whether you accept the earlier writing or the older. Either one, it doesn't matter. St. John was alive. He could have put the kibosh on this if it was not accurate. But lo and behold, that was never the case. First thing we see, we hear about here is this thing called living water. Living water is water moving around. Okay? That's, that's really all it means. So it could be a river, whatever the case is. Um, but what's interesting here, baptizing in the Trinitarian formula, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, this goes back all the way to the um, Great Commission. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28. Go, therefore, to all nations teaching everything I commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Living water just means running water. But the Didache doesn't stop there because not ever, not everywhere in the world has running water. Okay? There are many places in the world where water is extremely lacking. I live in Arizona. I cannot go outside to a river. It's not going to happen. And on the times where it can happen, like during our rainy season, it's very dangerous to do so because the water is running very fast and there's a lot of tree branches in there, maybe some other parts. I've seen it take away cars. That's how strong the current is. So you can't exactly do that in Arizona either. The Didache gives us a provision for it in verse 3. But if you do not have running water, then baptize in other water. Now, this is very important because some people will say, well, you need to baptize by immersion only. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. Or you need to baptize in rivers. You need to baptize in swimming pools, whatever the case is. The Didache says living water, but if it's not living water, in other words, if it's not running water, just do it in some other water. Now, go back to the book of Acts, the Ethiopian eunuch. You know, St. Philip, he's talking to him about the uh, prophet Isaiah because the eunuch was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And the eunuch says, what's to prevent me from being baptized right now? Because he saw some water there. Now, we don't know if it was a river. We don't know if it was a puddle, a pond, whatever the case is. Just as long as it's water. We can't baptize with Coca-Cola. We can't baptize with Pepsi. It has to be water. All right. The Didache goes on. If you are not able in cold water, then do it in warm water. Didache continues. But if you have neither, then pour water on the head three times in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, this gets to the, some of our uh, Protestant friends will say, you need to baptize by immersion 
because the Greek word baptizo means to immerse. And yeah, they're right. That's, that is what the Greek word means. The Greek word baptizo is where we get our name for baptism, and it does mean to immerse. But there's not always water to immerse. There's not always enough water to immerse. My friends, the Catholic Church does baptize by immersion. Every Easter vigil, there are churches that do that. But in some places, it just isn't plausible. And so the Didache gives a provision way back in the first century. Pour water on the head three times while reciting the Trinitarian formula. So if you ever go to a baptism, the priest, the deacon, the bishop is doing exactly not, not only what the Lord Jesus is telling to do, this is what the, what the Didache is telling to do. The Didache is echoing the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. So whenever the priest, deacon is baptizing, and they're pouring head on the on the head of whoever it's being baptized, whether it's a baby, an adult, whatever the case is, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All right, so the Didache is silent. There's another controversy in regard to baptism um, where some Protestants say, you know, we can only baptize those who have made a profession of faith, and babies have not made a profession of faith, so therefore we should not baptize babies. Well, the Didache doesn't say not to. The Didache doesn't say just to baptize adults. In fact, the Bible doesn't say just to baptize adults. It said, in fact, it says to baptize everyone in the household. Household includes children. That is the, uh, it's, an, it's an omission. Just because it's not mentioned doesn't mean it isn't to be done. Okay, so it is okay to baptize babies. And I I remember listening to James White talking about the Didache one time, and he was making the argument that the Didache says to only baptize adults. Well, it doesn't say that anywhere. The chapter on baptism is only seven verses long, and the remaining two verses that we haven't covered talk about Um, fasting before baptism. But it doesn't say that only adults are to be baptized. That's not what it says at all. All right, so baptism is allowed for children, for infants. And baptism, just like St. Peter says in his epistle, is kind of a continuation of the Old Covenant, whereas when uh, in the old covenant, when children were eight days old, they were circumcised. Now in the new covenant, they're baptized. They're brought into God's family that way. And there are actually many Protestants who agree with that theology, uh, the Presbyterians being one of them. They baptize babies and as, as a form of bringing them into the new covenant. Now they stop short of, saying, of talking about baptismal regeneration the removal of original sin, which is what we believe as Catholics. But there are some similarities otherwise. All right. So, and what's interesting about baptism in the next couple of verses is those who are doing baptisms are instructed to fast because it's a holy time. And those who are to be baptized, if they're able to, are to fast a day or two before as a way of preparing it's a time of prayer, not just not. It's a, fat, 
fasting, and I think sometimes we fall into this trap during Lent. Oh, I'm going to give up this and this and this. Well, that's great, but if you're not rep- if you're giving up chocolate and not praying, you're just dieting. So with the Didache here saying the fast a day or two before, you're supposed to replace that and sp- spend that time in prayer and preparing. Enter the family of God to enter the church. All right, so that's what the Didache says about baptism. Now, what's interesting as well is I want to get to the Eucharist because the Didache has a lot of instructions on the Eucharist here. And it starts in chapter 9, and it actually goes into chapter 10, so chapters 9 and 10. And really, my friends, this is a a very primitive Eucharistic prayer that the Didache is laying out here. And so uh, let me just go ahead and read it for you, starting in chapter 9. But as touching the Eucharist thanksgiving, give ye thanks thus. First, as regards the cup, we give ye thanks, O our Father, for the holy vine of your son David, which you made known to us through your son Jesus. Yours is the glory forever and ever, that as regards the broken bread, we give you thanks, O our Father, for the life and knowledge which you did make known to us through your Son, Jesus. The glory is yours forever and ever. As this broken bread was scattered upon the mountains and being gathered together became one, so may your church be gathered together from the ends of the earth into your kingdom. So far, we have this, we have a couple things happening here. Um, the Didache is mentioning the connection of David and Jesus, which is exactly what St. Matthew does in his gospel, in his genealogy, way back in chapter 1, chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. He makes that connection. And we often, we often ignore those genealogies because sometimes the names are hard to pronounce and everything else. But in, so, but in doing that, we are skipping a summary of salvation history. And so the Didache here has given us a little snapshot, the Holy Vine which you made known to us through your son, Jesus. Yours is glory. It's, this is a prayer of thanksgiving that the Didache is prescribing uh, in regard to the Eucharist. Now, in verse 8, it talks about mountains here. Now, back in those times, mountains was a common figure of speech for nations. And we see some, we see, we see some evidence of this in other um, Christian literature of the time, like, for example, the uh, Shepherd of Hermas. Uh, There's a section called the Similitudes in chapter 9, which talks about the mountains. And it's, really, it's referring to the nations, the nations that are touched by the grace of God, the nations where the gospel is going. All right, so verse 9, we're going to continue there. For yours is the glory and the power through Jesus Christ forever and ever. This is a very important point in verse 10. This is an instruction to those who are presiding over the Eucharist. But let no one eat or drink of this Eucharistic thanksgiving, except those who have been baptized into the name of the Lord. So only those who have been baptized are able to partake in the Eucharist. So why is this important? Well, my friends, This is actually what the church fathers taught as well. So if you go to Justin Martyr, for example, in his first apology, he's given this uh, primitive breakdown of the mass. And he says, we believe that the Eucharist is the body and blood of Christ, that same Christ who died on the cross for our sins. And only those who have been baptized 
are able to partake of it. The Didache, way back in the first century, is saying the same thing. So this has been a constant church teaching that only those who have been baptized are able to partake of the Eucharist. And what's interesting is that the Didache connects this to, to some words that the Lord Jesus says. For concerning this also the Lord has said, and this is in verse 12, give not that which is holy to the dogs. Now, this comes from Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, which says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Okay. Then she said, then she came. I can't talk to the guys. I'm sorry. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not me to, t- it is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee as you will. And that's also in Mark chapter 7. So we are not worthy of the Eucharist. I'm just going to say that up front. You and I, my friends, are not worthy of the Eucharist. But what do we say at every Mass? Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter into my roof. But only say the words and my soul shall be healed. So the Didache is saying that only those who are baptized are able to partake of the Eucharist. In other words, only those who are in the family of God are able to partake of the Eucharist. So a Hindu cannot partake of the Eucharist. A Buddhist cannot partake of the Eucharist. Someone who does not believe that is the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ cannot partake of the Eucharist because they don't believe it is what we say it is, what the Lord Jesus himself says it is. All right, the Didache continues in chapter 10 in regard to the Eucharist. And after you are satisfied thus, give you thanks. We give you thanks, Holy Father, for your holy name, which you have made the tabernacle in our hearts, and for the knowledge and faith and immortality, which you have made known unto us through your Son, Jesus Tabernacle, make home, to make a home in our hearts. So, Jesus, we're baptized. We partake of the Eucharist. You know that whole adage, you are what you eat? That's really what it is. Jesus, the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. We consume him. He changes us from the inside out. He dwells within us. The Holy Spirit dwells within us to sanctify us and to help us. Do what Jesus tells us to do and to help us be better people. Verse 4, you, almighty master, did create all things for your name's sake. And did you give food and drink unto men for enjoyment that they, they might render thanks to you? So I'm just going to read through this whole thing. Some of these things are going to sound very familiar because a lot of this, don't get me wrong, the language is a little bit different. Remember, there's some different translations out there. The one I'm reading from is a little bit older translation, a little older English. Um, but the priest says the same thing today. But did bestow upon us spiritual food and drink and eternal life through your son. What does the priest say? This is food, the bread of life, the chalice of salvation. Through him, with him and in him through the unity of the Holy Spirit, eternal life through your Son. 
Before all things, we give you thanks that you are all-powerful. Yours is the glory forever and ever. Remember, Lord, your church to deliver it from all evil and to perfect it in your love. And gather it together from the four winds, even the church which has been sanctified into your kingdom, which you have prepared for it. The four winds is an ancient euphemism for all corners of the world. So bring, gather the church throughout the whole world together into your kingdom. The whole world, my friends, not just the United States, not just Europe, not just Mexico, the whole world. And not only that, the church triumphant, the church suffering, gather us all together. Because what happens when we're at mass, my friends? That's a foretaste of that heavenly banquet. The church triumphant, those saints who are in heaven, are worshiping with us on earth. Angels are in heaven worshiping with us on earth at the mass. So not only are the four winds every corner of the world, but it's every corner of the church. The church militant, which is you and I. The church suffering, those in purgatory. The church triumphant, those who have ran the race, who have kept the faith, as St. Paul says, and are in heaven in eternal worship of our heavenly king. Verse 11, may grace come and may this world pass away. Hosanna to the God of David. If any man is holy, let him come. If any man is not. Now that is very telling right there. We are called to repent before partaking of the Eucharist. How many of us do that? I'm guilty. I'll say I don't do it all the time. I should. I need to. I'm a sinner just like everyone else. I think St. Paul called himself the king of sinners. I think I'll give him a run for his money. I think that title's mine personally. The Didache here, some great advice for us. If any man is holy, let him come. If any man is not, let him repent. The fact is, none of us are worthy. All of us need to repent. We need to repent every day of our lives. We need to repent from our sinful ways and choose the Lord Jesus Christ every single day of our lives. Every single day. Every single day. All right. The Didache continues with the Eucharist way down in chapter 14. And this is about the celebrating the Eucharist on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday. And so, you know, some people will say the church changed the Sabbath. It's in this weird document no one could ever find, ironically enough. But the Lord Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. The apostles celebrated the Eucharist on Sunday. We're just continuing on with that tradition. All right, so chapter 14, verse 1. And on the Lord's own day, gather yourselves together and break bread and give thanks. First, confessing your transgressions that your sacrifice may be pure. So on the Lord's Day, so on Sunday, gather together. This is first century here, guys. This isn't some fourth century document like our Seventh-day Adventist friends like to generate and somehow can't name it. This is first century. Say, gather on Sunday, break bread and give thanks. You know, that breaking bread, that term breaking bread, 
is Eucharist. It's not just having a meal. It's just not taking a loaf of Wonder Bread and passing it out. No, you're giving thanks. You're giving thanks to God. You're breaking bread. First, confessing your transgressions. Here we go. The Didache is saying, go to confession. Confess your sin before partaking of the Eucharist that you may have a pure sacrifice. Because what does St. Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 11? Pretty much if you're not, if you're doing it unworthily, for partaking of the Eucharist unworthily, you're reaping condemnation on yourself because you're blaspheming the Eucharist. That doesn't happen if it's just a symbol. If it was just a symbol, it wouldn't be a big deal. So the Didache, maybe written about 20 years after um, Paul wrote St. Paul wrote his letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to the Corinthians, echoes what St. Paul is saying here. All right, verse 2, chapter 14, verse 2. And that no man who has a dispute with his fellow, join your assembly until they have been reconciled, that your sacrifice may not be defiled. Again, going back to St. Paul and 1 Corinthians, it echoes back to that. But not only that, what did Jesus say in the Gospel of Matthew? If you have a dispute with your brother, go to him privately, try to work it out, right? If he doesn't listen, take a witness. If he doesn't listen again, take it to the church. But not only that, if we have a grudge with someone, okay, we're to be unified. That doesn't mean we're not going to disagree I mean, the whole letter of First St. Paul's letter to the to the Corinthians, the First Corinthians. If you have not read the full book, I re- I encourage you to go ahead and do so because there were some crazy things happening in the Corinthian church. Okay, um, essentially, people were suing each other back and forth. There was a lot of disunity. They weren't being good citizens. They weren't being good Christians. They weren't being a good example of what it is to be a Christian. In other words, they were saying one thing and doing another. Their sacrifice was defiled. It wasn't pure. They were going through the motions. How many times are we going through the motions? I mean, it happens quite a bit, right? We may go to Mass. We go through the motions. we, We leave unchanged. If we leave Mass unchanged... That's a sign that we're going through the motions. We're doing it to do it. We're not doing it as a sacrifice to God. All right. Verse 3. For this is the same sacrifice spoken of by the Lord. In every place and at every time, offer me a pure sacrifice. For I am a great king, says the Lord, and my name is wonderful among the nations. Now, this is kind of a reference to Malachi chapter 1, verse 11. And uh, if you're not familiar with this prophecy of the Eucharist, Mike Aquilino, which I know who I know he's been a guest here on the Four Persons, wrote a great book about it. Okay, and Malachi chapter one verse one says, "For from the rising of the sun even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be a great. My name shall be great among the Gentiles, and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the heathen," says. The Lord of hosts. All 
All right, my friends. That is what the Didache says about baptism and the Eucharist. But in closing here, I want to summarize some key things from the Didache. The Didache um, has some careful instructions for those who are going to baptism. All right. Fasting, for example. Baptism in the Trinitarian formula by the best means available. So it says running water, etc. And of course, we don't have all of those options. Baptism was followed by the Eucharist for the newly baptized. Now, what happens at every Easter vigil? Those who have been baptized give first communion. And in, in um, the Eastern church, the Eastern churches, for example, our Byzantine friends, our Melkite friends and everyone, the babies get baptism, Eucharist, and confirmation, one right after another to this day. Maybe that's something. And, and the Latin rite used to do that way back in the day as well. All right. Um, what we didn't go over is that the Didache called for fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays. The church still does fasting on Fridays. We're supposed to give up something. It's a day of penance to this day. Meeting on the Lord's Day, which is Sunday, included the Eucharist, prayer, and confession. The Didache calls for reciting the Lord's Prayer three times a day. We did not go over that. That was in Chapter 8, if I remember correctly, which could be a... Um, a preamble, if you will, to our Liturgy of the Hours today, the daily office. All right, there was also a daily community gathering, daily mass, guys. All right, there was attention to discipline and prayer, good works such as contributing to the poor, works of mercy. Um, there was hospitality for those that were traveling. My friends, the Didache shows the church in its infancy. It shows a lot of Catholic teaching in this short document known as the Didache. So, even though it is not scripture, we can learn a lot about what the early church did. Just like we can learn a lot from what the early church did from the church fathers. So, I hope this study of the Didache has been helpful. I always find it helpful when I go through it. And I know um, someone said, is there a copy of the Didache I could buy? Because there's a ton of commentaries out there on the Didache, and perhaps I will write one someday. I could put that on my writing projects. Right now I'm writing a book on the errors of the prosperity gospel at the moment. So maybe that could be my next one. I don't know. We'll see where the Lord leads. However, there's no need to buy a copy of the Didache. If you want to, go for it. But really, the Didache is only about eight pages long. It's very short. You can get many copies of it for free online. Uh, New Advent, that Catholic website, which has all the church fathers, has it on there for free as well. So just check it out. All right. hope this study has been helpful. I hope it strengthens your faith because the Didache does show Catholic teaching way back in the first century. And this is actually why a lot of Protestants will not study the Didache. Because it's going to bring up some questions, like baptism, like the Eucharist, 
because there's some Protestant churches that'll have their what they call the Lord's Supper, and it's open. You don't have to be baptized. You don't even have to believe what they think about it. The Didache says otherwise. Anyway, guys, God bless you. Please support the Four Persons Network. Share these shows. We have great stuff coming out all the time. That case for Christmas that John put out, oh, my goodness, that was just absolutely amazing. And what a privilege it was to to be a part of it. And I know all of us who were involved feel the same way. Guys, a lot of great stuff going on here. Please support us. Um, pray for the church. Pray for us as we pray for you. God bless you all. Take care. Catch you next Saturday.